and welcome to this BGSM podcast. I'm Liam West, sports medicine doctor based in Melbourne, Australia, and my guest on the podcast today is Mr. James Alexander. James is a APA sports and exercise physiotherapist based in Port Stephens on the New South Wales mid-north coast in Australia also. James is a talented and also keen runner, currently combining clinical part-time work and completing a Master's of Applied Science by Research at La Trobe Sports and Exercise Medicine Research Centre. One of his papers, which has just been published in the BGSM, and you should really check it out after listening to this podcast, looked at the current evidence for strategies to prevent and manage running-related knee injuries. Welcome to the podcast, James. Thank you for having me, Liam. Congratulations on that recent publication in the BGSM. It's a great read. Can you briefly take listeners through the steps you took to produce those results? Yeah, no problems. So, look, um, as we know, running is a very popular form of physical activity, which is associated with um, a number of really, really important health benefits. But unfortunately, running is also associated with a high incidence of injury. Um, and with the most common um, site of injury being the knee um, in runners. And so um, following knee injury, um, runners often face a, a very prolonged recovery period with, with some runners not recovering at all. So um, this can obviously then lead to, to people ceasing their participation or running and, and not getting those important health benefits. So Given that the importance of running um, to promote and to promote long-term participation, um, it's important to understand effective strategies um, or interventions that can reduce the risk of and um, allow clinicians to better manage running-related knee injuries. And that is kind of what led to led to our work. So we found that there hadn't been a systematic review conducted on the prevention um, of injuries in runners for a number of years, and that was despite um, you know, a growing number of, of trials in that area. And to date, there hadn't been a, a review that um, had specifically looked at, um, uh, I guess, um, summarising the evidence around the, the, the management of, of knee pain conditions in runners. So we decided to conduct a systematic review and meta-analysis with the aim to synthesise and critically appraise um, the randomised controlled trial evidence on the prevention and management of um, specifically running-related knee injuries. And um, this involved undertaking two separate search strategies. So we, we, we undertook a, a search for the prevention um, and, and management objectives of our review. Um, and the primary outcomes that we we're interested in were, from a prevention point of view, was the number of runners developing a running-related knee injury following an intervention. And then for our management objective was um, the self-reported knee pain following um, an intervention. And to assist in um, summarising the evidence and providing, I guess, a, a clear um, clinical practice recommendations, we, we utilised the, the grade um, tool, um, which is the grading of recommendations, assessment, development and evaluations tool. And so that, um, that, led to us identifying 30 randomised controlled trials. We had 18 prevention trials and 12 management trials. Um, and that um, these trials um, analysed a number of different interventions um, in novice and recreational running populations. And, and, and these papers inform the findings of our review. Oh, that's great. I think you've really clearly outlined 
why it was needed and how you've done it. Look, I think we, we're going to use this podcast quite shamelessly uh, as a hook to take the, uh, the listener to your papers. I think we try and turn this to a clinical podcast. So I'm going to give you some scenarios, obviously, with the hindsight of reading the paper, some of the pathologies that you might have looked into, uh, and we can discuss them. So let's say I'm in my clinic. I've got a 34-year-old runner called Sally, and I've diagnosed telephemoral pain uh, with her. According to your research, what evidence-based strategies should I use to manage her? Yes, yes. So the telephemoral pain, Liam, we know is the most common um, running-related knee injury. And of the 12 um, management um, studies that we identified, there was eight trials that looked specifically at um, intervention for um, managing patellofemoral pain in runners. Um, of these eight trials, there was 19 um, different intervention comparisons to manage to manage patellofemoral pain. And um, first, for context, we were we were interested in comparing um, between group differences in those trials. So, um, what we did find was that um, across um, several um, single studies. Um, there was large positive effects on reducing knee pain in the short term, with the short term being less than three months um, as a cutoff that we used in our study for interventions and that included exercise therapy, um, running technique, retraining strategies, including um, uh, increasing running cadence by 10%. Um, and this intervention um, was was utilised in combination with minimalist footwear. Um, there was a second um, running technique retraining paper that um, that looked at transitioning to a non-rear foot strike pattern, um, which also demonstrated a large positive effect on on knee pain in the short term. Um, so, in addition to um, exercise therapy and running re- technique retraining, um, prefabricated. Uh, medial wedged foot orthoses were also beneficial, um, as well as a manual therapy intervention, which consisted of osteopathic manipulation um, targeted at the at the pelvis, uh, the lumbar spine, pelvis, and lower limb, um, and that also resulted in a short term improvement in pain. Um, I guess interestingly, though, we know that patellofemoral pain can often can can be a long term condition in in people and. The studies um, that 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 were um, we identified didn't um, follow um, runners for any longer than seven months. So the longer term outcomes, so twelve months and onwards, are really unknown um, for these interventions. And so, um, you know, that's certainly an area for for further work to 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 assist in in our clinical decision making. And it's a good call to the budding researcher listening, um, a good area to get stuck into. So that's good to know there's some evidence there, certainly in the short to medium term for, for Sally. So moving to my next patient, who we'll call Jack, a 23-year-old triathlete. So he's got a local level competition in two weeks. His physios referred Jack to me for consideration of a corticosteroid injection given his troublesome distal ITB pain. What advice would you give to me before I let Jack into the room about your results regarding this pathology and intervention? Yeah, so um, 
in the management of distal ITB pain, there, there is a real lack of, of evidence um, and high quality evidence to guide our clinical decision making. So we um, identified only four trials um, in this area. Um, and of those trials, there was only one study that, that demonstrated a, a significant short-term improvement in knee pain. And that was with, um, that was with a cortisone injection. And that was when compared to a, a short-term, um, uh, acting local anesthetic injection. And so that showed an improvement in running related knee pain at two weeks. So for someone like Jack, um, you know, having a cortisone injection, could be a feasible option to, to help reduce his pain and get him to the start line of that triathlon. But what we do know with cortisone injections are, you know, the, the longer term effects um, are a little unknown. So, um, for example, um, in tendon pathology, it, it has been, sorry, in tendons, it has been shown to to, to be harmful to tendon health in the long term. So I think to, to make an informed decision for Jack, um, it's important to, to also educate him on this um, and then decide whether that's appropriate given the importance or the level of competition for, for Jack in, in this case. Fortunately, I think the evidence backs how I would like to use cortisone in that way in the clinic that potentially it's given a window of opportunity for him, for him his two weeks, it might help him compete. But if, if, if his competition was further away, I think it sometimes can give a window of opportunity to actually work on load management, strength or other deficits that may be contributing to his pathology rather than being the answer. And I think it's important to put that there, that the evidence doesn't seem to favour cortisone as the magic bullet for this. Yes, absolutely. And clinically, um, you know, the, those that was that that's what I would do. Like the important component of of load management, um, and then addressing any identified impairments from a um, from a musculoskeletal um, point of view, whether that's deficits in deficits in strength, um, and and also looking biomechanically um, and and at, at a at a person's running technique. They're all considerations clinically that I use, but but we just don't have um, the the evidence to to, I guess, um, guide us um, in that area. Yeah, and that's exactly why we've got you on the podcast because you can synthesize the evidence for me without having to read all of the different papers. So let's move on. Let's say I've finished this clinic now. I'm going down um, this evening to my local athletics running track. My friend's the coach, so I'm going to go and help them. He's concerned there's an increasing running-related knee injuries, and they've been having a lot of those lately. So can you share the findings from your paper that's going to help me educate this group and the coach on how to attempt to prevent these running-related injuries in the rest of their currently uninjured cohort? Yes, absolutely. So of the 18 trials um, investigating interventions um, in an attempt to prevent running-related knee injuries, there was only one paper that, um, found, um, to, that was found to have a significant effect and that was for a running technique retraining intervention that set out to uh, with the goal of achieving a softer landing or strike pattern in a group of runners. And so this intervention consisted of eight uh, gait retraining um, sessions over two weeks on an instrumented treadmill in a gait lab. And so the the um, authors of this paper used um, verbal cues, including land softer, 
along with um, visual biofeedback um, via a screen that provided guidance on on their on the um, the their strike um, the impact peak of their strike pattern. And so um, these runners were then followed by 12 months and compared to a group of runners which didn't undergo this inter intervention. And it saw a two-thirds reduction in um, injury, knee injury risk in this group. So clinically, how does this, how does this look? So obviously we, we don't have access to to um to instrumented treadmills um at the running track or or, or, or and or or in the in the physio or, or, or sports medicine clinic so strategies that could be considered um to help to reduce that vertical um impact peak when when the foot strikes the ground includes using strategies such as uh verbal cues to run softer um, or make your footfalls quieter um, transitioning from a rear foot or heel strike to a, a non-rear foot strike pattern and increasing cadence by 10%. So these are potential strategies that may be benefic beneficial in a, in a group of runners such as this. What's important to note though is that in this same group of runners um, followed in this study, um, there was an increased risk in injury to the distal lower limb, so around the foot, ankle, and Achilles, and that's likely due to a low, a shift in load away from the knee um, to the to the lower limb. So, if considering an intervention to to reduce running related knee injury risk, it's in, um, it's important to consider combining that with with a strength and conditioning program that's going to increase the, the capacity of, of the lower limb, but particularly the, the distal lower limb being the calf, ankle and foot. So, for example, calf strengthening um, to, to increase that capacity to, to, to potentially reduce that injury risk with that shift in load that might occur. And then when implementing a, a retraining strategy such as this, um, you know, I think there's an important consideration clinically as well to to just look at gradually increasing um, the running loads around this intervention again to give time for um, for that runner to to adapt to a change in, in in load and a change in running technique. What's also important to consider, and this was some um, work by Laura Anderson in colleagues in 2020, was that changing um, foot strike pattern might actually impair running performance in the short term and that's due to a change in running economy so um, that should be um, considered in in in, in, um, in an intervention or a group intervention such as this so um, I think that was the main take-home point from our prevention side of things on what could be helpful for runners um, what's what was not found to be helpful at this stage at least with the current evidence we have have is um, running footwear. So there's no there's no magic running shoe to wear that's going to reduce your knee injury risk. Um, exercise therapy was also shown not to be helpful. Um, you know, to to give some context around that, um, look, I guess we found that the exercise interventions weren't well adhered to or well prescribed. So there's certainly an area for for future research um, to, to, to work to be done there. We also found that graduated running programs in novice runners, so those just starting to run, um, there wasn't 
um, a, a benefit from from following one program over the other, um, you know, with a progression in vo running volume versus progression in running intensity. And it was also found that online and in-person injury prevention education programs, and that combined a, a range of, of strategies within those programs, that didn't influence knee injury risk as well. A lot to take in there. Um, I'm often telling my patients they can't go wrong getting strong. Uh, and and they've got to earn the right to run and not get injured. So I think some of that is that passion of strength, as you mentioned, that you do in the clinic. But what it brought me to think about is one of the things I talk to my patients about in terms of cues. If they want to run quieter, they need to run without headphones. Otherwise, they've got no idea how hard they're running. And if they are going to use headphones, maybe they need to run to a certain beat um, of music. And that can then link to their cadence because nobody really counts. And so those are the two little tips that I'd be giving. And making sure it's graduated but look, there's some really good points there i think hopefully that's whet the appetite for the listener to go and um, access your paper on the bgsm so thank you very much for sharing your time and expertise today james thanks for having me on Liam. thanks for you the listener for choosing this podcast on running related injuries as i've mentioned you can read the paper online and you can also engage with the bgsm via our various social media channels I hope you have inspired you to get moving, go for a run and have a physically active day.